Hello everyone and welcome to the Caramel Rock podcast. I'm your host, Renata. In every episode, I will be talking to a different guest working within the fashion and creative industry. We will be discussing their career journeys whilst also focusing on an interesting fashion-related topic. Today's guest is filmmaker, photographer and Reform the Funk founder, Derek Kakembo. Derek's filming and photography practice focuses on themes and concepts around the notion and experience of blackness. In our conversation, Derek shares his career and educational journey into photography. We also discuss how Reform the Funk, an independent cultural platform, came to be, and why the platform aims to give a voice to underrepresented creatives. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Camera Rock Podcast, Derek. It's nice to have you on. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. If you just wanted to start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, so my name is Derek Kakembo. I'm a photographer, filmmaker, and I also run a platform called Brief from the Funk. Nice. Tell us a, bit, a little bit about your story so far, how you got into photography and just like your educational journey so far. Yeah, so I guess I've always been into art. Um, and after, when I was at college, I, just, I knew that I was going to have a career in art from pretty much, from pretty much a very young age. But um, so yeah, I went to, I did the art foundation at university and then I studied graphic design and photography, left that, um, started assisting different photographers and then I assisted one photographer for a period of time. And then after that, I just kind of went on and started doing my own thing. Um, so that's how I sort of, that's the very, very streamlined timeline. Nice. And you said that you've always kind of wanted to have, an, you had an interest in art and you knew you wanted to go into that direction. What was it about photography that made you decide that you wanted to choose photography as opposed to maybe fine art or graphics design? When I went to do my art foundation, it wasn't photography that I'd actually gone to do. If anything, I think I'd gone to do architecture. But I think on the, it's like a year program, you get to try different things. And I just remember uh, when, we, when we're experimenting with different mediums, it just, I just liked the camera. But it's also because my mom, when I was young, she used to have a camera and she used to take pictures all the time. And I remember I said, if you're a photographer, you know, people will always need, you know, photos. So I think subconsciously in my head, I always knew that that's a medium that's going to be around for a very long time. But when I was in art school, just, I just resonated with it. So I guess your kind of journey with photography started at home with like your mum taking pictures with family and things. And how has that kind of shaped the decisions and the images that you then decide to take? It's had a very, a big, big, big um, subconscious on me. I'm my only boy uh, with three sisters. And I think my mum always took pictures. Like even when I was in Africa, she always took pictures all the time. And it was like this idea of like always capturing these memories. You know, sometimes you have memories, sometimes they're not the most pleasant memories. But I think every time you, I would look back at these pictures, it would be like all of these years and all of this history captured in one frame. So I think photography as a medium, I, I think that's quite fascinating how we can do that. But um, in terms of how that's, that's influenced me, I show a lot of black women in my work. And I think... Um, even before studying photography, that was like a subject matter that was that featured in my artwork a lot, um, and that's because of my sisters and my mom. So I think my subject matter, the people that are mainly predominant in my work, are a direct reference of my sisters and my mom. Yeah, 
And I think it, a lot of what I'm getting is that there's a sense of representation and really telling your truth and your story and, and being able to capture the moments that you've lived. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But you know, um, even before I was doing photography, I remember when I was in art and we were just drawing, but I was drawing a lot of black women um, and men, of course. I, I, did, I did a presentation one time and um, someone asked me why, why do all your, a lot of your subjects, a lot of your models have short hair. And I'd never thought of it. But when I look back at all my pictures of mom and my sisters, they all have short hair. So I think that's one of those things that's like, that is like a direct influence on me, how, how the models look. And obviously I shoot a lot of dark skin models. Consciously, I choose to show a lot of dark skin models. And that's also in reference to, to wanting to make the images that I think people should see. When I think of my niece or my nieces, I want to make work that... When they look at it, they feel seen and they feel yeah. represented. So I think that's like a direct influence. I, I wake up and say, I'm going to make this kind of image with this kind of person and I want this kind of person because I want, when my niece sees these images, I want to feel empowered. Yeah, that's a great vision and um, purpose to have, especially with what's going on in the world and being and making sure that everybody can, you know, be seen and um, some everything in art kind of reflects all the different types of people we have within society and um, I think that's really cool and within your journey and your career let's talk a little bit about that so you said that you studied um, an art school what was it that you studied at art school? Um, so the first year I did an um, art foundation um, in art and design and then I studied I moved on to study graphic design and photography which that was, again, that was an interesting course. That was all based on using images in a design-related format, but also using images to tell stories in an artistic way. So those two courses, I kind of picked up the skills of um, photography, but also art direction and just genuinely storytelling using images. Nice. And then from that, you kind of then went into industry. So how was that navigating that space? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I came into the industry feeling crazy optimistic, you know. Um, <laughs> then about two and a half years working as a studio assistant. The job was we clean the studio and help the other photographers that are using the studio with whatever they need. So I did that. Um, and after I did that for two and a half years, I went to work for photographer banking. And I, I did a three-month internship. And then after I did the three-month internship, I was, they were, I was like, they were like, oh, we don't have any photographic assisting jobs for them. Like they said, you can, you know, you can, um, you can be a studio assistant here. Um, so I, I took the job. So I spent another one year and three months or so as a studio assistant, basically cleaning the studio, um, getting in the morning, making sure everything's in place, making sure all the lights are there, everything's there. And for a year and a half, I was just literally cleaning, not cleaning the studio, but like, looking after the studio, looking after the clients, looking after everyone. And I think sometimes people do not see those parts of the journey. People don't, people just see you maybe on Instagram and they see the work you're making, the people you work with, and they just, they don't realise that there's so much blood, sweat and tears got into For like three years, I was literally a studio system where I never got close to any sets, uh, never got close to making work. Um, and that's probably the reason why I started making so much personal work, because I was spending nine to six, cleaning the studio, looking after the studio. And I'm thinking, I spent, I'm thinking, wow, like, my mom sent me to art school, spent three years studying photography, design, da-da-da-da. I'm now here. I can't get on set. 
And for like three years, I was literally working, just in the studio, I'm thinking, nah, I wanna, wanna make images. This is what I've made it, this is what I wanna do. And I think that's one of the reasons I started doing so much of my personal work, you know? And obviously after doing that, after a while now, I got promoted to photographic assistant, which means that I was able to be on set. I wanted to be on set because that's how, that's how you learn. You can only learn so much from a photo. Um, so by being on set, I started to, you know, see how things are done, you know, see how Capture One is done. Capture One's like a software that photographers use to manage files. I started to learn about how you talk to people, how you talk to models. But that's like after doing so many hours as a studio assistant, and I know a lot of people are doing it now, and anyone who's done it, it's like, it's hard work. Um, and then at the same time, I was working at Humber magazine, and my job was to, when there was shoots for, for the magazine, I would help photographers. So the photographers that would come in, I would help them make sure that the studio's clean, make sure they've got everything they need. So I did that. And then I would go to Humber, and I'd say to them, listen, I want to shoot for you guys, I want to shoot for you guys. And they were like, cool, what do you want to shoot? And I would just come back, teaching ideas, teaching ideas. My job title was studio assistant in the beginning. But I would go to them and say, yo, like, let me shoot for you, let me shoot for you. And they would let me. And then I start pitching ideas to them, I start pitching ideas to them, and it's only because I'd be in my portfolio feeder. But yeah, I think people don't see the journey that people take to get to where they are, or sometimes we don't talk about it. But literally, I spent three years as a studio assistant, cleaning studios before I was able to really get on set properly. And then I was, then I was a photographic assistant for like three and a half years before I started to actually go in and start doing my own photography. Do you know what I mean? So I think my advice to people is sometimes it's a long process and it's a long journey. But also I think you can't negate that, that process as well because being in the studio for that many hours meant you learned way more about equipment, you, you learned way more about just a lot of the technical sides of photography that you don't get that chance while you're at school because you're, you know, churning out assignments, churning out projects, churning out projects. Um, but actually having that time and that, that space to really be alone <laughs> with the equipment and the technology, I guess you also built up a lot of knowledge and understanding on how, um, like you said, um, capture one software, things like that really work. At a time when I'm spending, when we're spending all these hours in the studio and stuff, I'm thinking, this is wrong. I'm working around the studio here, everyone's on the computers, everyone's doing the little typing stuff here, everyone's editing. I'm thinking, right, like, I spent my whole life studying this year. My mum spent so much money to send me to art school here. I'm thinking, I can't get here, I can't. I'm in a building, but I'm not in a building. But when I look back now, I'm so grateful because I learn about work ethic. I learn about what it takes to make stuff. You know, when I've got a project now, I know the process. Like I can get it done. I remember when I was working for—I don't talk about this too tough. When I was working for Ranking, I used to think, "Yo, like this person is famous. People might just come to them all the time for work, like because they're famous." And I see this dude working hard, and I see this dude putting hours, putting hours. Promoting himself, marketing himself. And I'm thinking, but I thought you were famous. I thought you just sit back and you just get work. And I like that. Things don't come to you. Like, you don't sit back and people come to you. And I'm seeing this photographer who's an established photographer, who's like a famous photographer, works so hard. I'm thinking, right, if my man's working that hard, I've got to be working harder. So for me to see, to see the work ethic that goes into being successful, the amount of work that people put in made me think, rah, 
I've got to read what I've really got to grasp. And I think sometimes we don't, we just see, from afar, we see like an actor or a musician or, or a filmmaker, or we see them online, we see them doing interviews and magazines and stuff. And we're like, yo, like, M, it's like things must come easy to them. We don't see the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into them before they made it, after they made it, and even when they continue trying to make more stuff. So I think assisting and working and working on hunger and working for ranking showed me that things don't come to you. You have to go and get them. And you have to work, 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 and you have to trust in the process. It's, it's been a very challenging journey. Yes, I found it quite difficult to, to transition from being a student to, to working assistant and a photographer. Um, yeah. Fine. And what were the challenges? Can you give an example? I, in my head, I thought to be a photographer, you kind of leave uni, for example, and then you assist different photographers. Mm-hmm. After you assist, you learn how it works, you learn how the lighting works, you learn how the industry works. And in my head, like, once I assist, maybe let me assist one person and learn about everything. And then maybe mm-hmm. be my own photographer. But I think I struggled to kind of find photographers to assist. I kind mm-hmm. of struggled to find photographers that kept me on for longer. Um, and photographers just took a chance on me and kind of showed me how it works. But I think that's just because of where the industry is and the, and the demographics. There weren't, at the time, there weren't many, or if there was, I just, I just didn't see them. There weren't many photographers that looked like me or that were making the kind of work that I wanted to make. So I think there were struggles in terms of connecting with people that wanted to make images that, um, that, that I thought I should be making as well. And on top of that, when I did find out photographers, um, for some reason, they just, I just didn't fit in like that type of thing. Yeah, so that was one of the big challenges. And I think now, I feel blessed that there's many more photographers like myself and so many more people that if I was to come in the industry now, I feel like there would be more options for me to assist. Yeah. If that was the route that I wanted to take again. Yeah, 100%. And um, in our conversation that we had prior, I guess, your way of navigating that was doing your own thing on the side whilst also still assisting and almost like building your network and building that experience within the industry with the um like the photographers that you had the, the opportunity to work with but I guess it was important for you to keep um other like personal projects on the side not just rely on the stuff that you were doing on like the job um to kind of have that balance of being able to be your own man and be your own photographer but also still um, work and get you know that money yeah you're right I think you're very very right that's, that has been very liberating and it continues to be liberating like even up to now as well as doing commercial projects and um, doing commercial editorials I still I still enjoy it just picking up a camera and just going to football and just photographing guys I'm playing with like last time I did that I just picked up a camera I started shooting friends and family and I wasn't trying to um, say anything in particular. I just wanted to document black men. Things that have been so liberating and I think without those personal projects, it definitely would have been harder. And I'm so happy that I came into a place where I had confidence in myself and how I looked and how my people looked and how I, sh- and how I want my people to look. And I think that came through these small personal projects, even like doing shoots with my cousin, um, just picking up the camera and us just going down the road and taking pictures, like that's boosted my confidence. My confidence in terms of like seeing beauty and blackness. 
Do you know what I mean? In all kinds of blackness. So yeah, past and yeah. have definitely played a big part and they continue to play a big part. Mm. And I guess it, also within the arts, it's always important to to believe in what you're doing and have that kind of conjure up that courage to go and do it, even if no one's watching or no one's around, but just being like, this is what I feel strongly about. Let me just do it. Let me create it. Let me, um, let me do it. And then eventually there'll be a space within the industry for it. But it's always important to kind of like, if there's something you really believe in, just kind of create it and do it. Like, you know what it is? Obviously, when you're, when you're working and you're trying to make money and you're trying to survive, you're trying to do this and this, like, you can find it, let's say you could spend six months and just sort of hustling, doing jobs here and there, and then you can look back after seven, seven months and you might think to yourself, wow, like, okay, I actually might have done okay, I paid my bills, but then when you look at your work, it's like, what did I make that, that's going to get me the next job in terms of creative expression? So I think it's super important to have that, you know what I mean? Like to have that, to have work that you do just for purely expression, because that's what, mm. that's what your legacy is going to be built on. Like when you, when you get to like 60, 70, your most personal work is what people will resonate with. Yeah. Photographers that I love, I resonate mostly with their most personal work. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And um, what tips do you have for um, younger creatives who are trying to um, break into the industry? It doesn't necessarily have to be like, you know, the next big photographer, but just getting your foot in the door. I guess the first one is identify what you want to do, identify um, where you think you kind of want to go. Obviously, when you're young, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't need to know um, you don't need to know that this is where I want to be because obviously as you navigate yourself, you do change your mind. But identify what you want to do um, and then think about, okay, how could I get there? There's obviously different routes. If you're a photographer, for example, you might assist or you might just go shoot yourself or you might just do a combination of both. But I think you figure out you figure out where to go. So like, if you're seeing other photographers that you admire doing something, Maybe you can also do a similar thing in terms of if you, shoot them, if you see them shooting for a magazine, you might think to yourself, okay, um, how do I shoot for that magazine? If the magazine's too big, for example, you might say, okay, how do I start shooting small, small projects to, to build up to be able to shoot for them? And secondly, look at people that you love, like whatever field you are, even if you're a fashion designer, um, a graphic designer, a filmmaker, look at, look at, the, peop- look at the people you love. Study them, think about what do they do to get there, how do they how do they do it, what route do they take, and then look at what they do that you like about it and think, okay, they make this kind of work and they do it like this. I like that. And then study their approach. And then thirdly, if you decide to let's say do it your way, think about the mediums we already have right now that can be of help. For example, think about Instagram or TikTok or Twitter or LinkedIn. I think about, okay, I'm going to be a photographer, I'm going to be a fashion designer, I'm going to be doing this. Where's my audience? Where's my people? Who looks like me? Who makes work that looks like me? Who resonates with me? How, and then ask yourself, how can I find them? Or how can I get them to see me? So then you sort of market yourself, promote yourself to be seen by the people that you think um, that you want to have in your network. And then fourthly, the last one, your friends will become your network. The friends around you they're doing things that's probably going to be of value to you. If they're not, think about how those friends can be of value to you and how you can be of value to them. A lot of stylists that I work with now, they're all my friends. And that's because we started off as friends. 
So I think build a network of people that you already have access to. Obviously, it's nice when you make new connections and you always try to, but sometimes the answers are right next to you. Sometimes you make Billy yeah. wants, to, wants to probably do the same thing. Or, like, some of my friends, I've actually gone on Instagram and I've seen, and I've seen someone I like, and I thought, you know what, like, you look cool, bro. Like, should we go for a coffee? Like, you look like someone I want to be friends with. Like, let's be friends. And then we become friends, and then later, years later, we work together. So to summarise, study the industry, study the profession, think about what you want to do, study the people that you love, study how they got there, view the network around you, people that look like you, um, and fourth, uh, promote yourself, promote and market yourself as much as you can to view the network. Yeah, thank you for that. I think in all of those, it's about really being visible and really putting yourself out there, whether it's online or offline or you know, making that first move to talk to somebody and introduce yourself to someone. And also just kind of keeping up to date with people that you've worked with and just being like, oh, so what's what's up? Or do you want to join me on this? Or just like you said, you know, get a coffee. I think being visible in all of that is very important. But also within the industry, there is um, a lot of um, different levels with, um, within the workspace. It's not just like the photographer as if that's their only role within the industry. For you, um, how did you kind of build your network that way? I think in the past, you needed to attend events, you needed to go to parties, you needed to just go to places where there's people. But now, I think it's a little bit easier to connect with people because we have social media. So I think now, if you go on Instagram and you see someone you like, someone that you think you can connect with, you can literally just hit them up and say, yo, I like your work, let's, let's talk. And people do that to me as well. People sometimes message me and say, yo, like, we should collaborate. And I'm like, yeah, that's sick. And I was, I'll do the same. So I think how I've built my network through, first of all, friends. Obviously, um, while I've been assisting and working, the people that I've met, they've gone, they've gone on to become my colleagues, my collaborators. You, you never know who's going to become who. You never know. The small intern one day you might look down at, two months later, he'll be the editor and chief something. Do you know what I mean? So I've built my network by using Instagram, Twitter, Connecting with people, if I see someone that I like, I will literally hit them up and I'll say, yo, like, let's make something. And obviously, before COVID, I used to look at events, not parties, but more like gallery openings or like exhibitions and that kind of thing. That's how the network's kind of built and also assisting different people. And I think also in terms of, like you said, when you're assisting, a lot of the times we assume that the photographer, that's the only role within the industry, but actually there's a lot of roles um, in terms of like set design, in terms of um, assisting on set, in terms of helping to edit and collecting printings and things like that. So there are a lot of opportunities within the industry, even if you're not, not 100% like confident in your photography or you're still working on your, your aesthetic and your language as a photographer. There are a lot of opportunities because you have that photography knowledge, you can kind of go in and assist. And, you know, kind of build your network up that way as well, but also just build your knowledge on the industry that way, just by being in those spaces. That's true. Do you know, when I, when I go into photography, I do realize there's so many roles you can do. Like, I remember finding out you can be an art director, you can be a copywriter, you can be a creative. I didn't know what the word creative meant. Do you know what I mean? Even when we was on set, I realized there's people that do uh, those DOP, there was Sparks. Even in editing, there are so many roles in the creative world that I didn't know existed. I wish more people realised how many roles are available within the creative industry you can do. I started, I started as a photographer, but now I'm a filmmaker, 
I'm also producing my own films, making experimental films, um, writing. I just like I just follow the pictures, but the amount of writing I have to do, the amount of writing I want to do. So there's so many creative disciplines within photography, filmmaking, literature that people don't realize. I would like more people to realize that there's a role for you that you can do. Yeah, 100%. You kind of started off doing photography, but now you've kind of ventured out into filmmaking, you've ventured now into writing and all these kind of other um, fields, but you've also kind of started your own publication called um, Reform the Funk. So tell us a little bit about that. How did that idea come about? Um, I'm so happy you asked that because obviously, go, carrying on from our, from our conversation and um, different disciplines, when I was a photographer, my job was to sort of take pictures. That's what I thought my job was. And I wanted to have more control in terms of how my pictures go up, how my pictures were written about. Because sometimes they weren't just like, they weren't just portraits. Sometimes there was like a series of 10 portraits that was part of a story. And sometimes I felt like when I submitted my work to magazines, I, sometimes I felt like when people wrote about them, they didn't always understand it or they didn't always use the right keywords or they, or they used keywords that I felt like, hmm, I don't know if I like the sound of that. Do you know what I mean? And at the same time, I began to see things. I began to realise how publishing works. And I know the power, I began to learn about the power of images. And I know that if you see an image, that subconsciously stays on your brain. And I know that if, you're, if I show you the same image 10 times, over time you get used to that. And that becomes the norm to you. So I know that the power of images on people is so, so um, impactful. So as I'm seeing my images going out and I'm seeing, I'm, I'm, I'm learning about how people write, and not even just images, how powerful words are, I began to realize that we weren't always in control of our own narratives. I began to realize that there was an issue where we are not documenting our own stories. We're not documenting um, our lives. We're not archiving our projects, our films. Other people are telling our stories for us. So that came for me experiencing it firsthand. So I thought, you know what? I need to do something about this. I need the way people write about me to be organic and authentic. So the idea for Riff from the Funk started to come. I started to see that articles and film pieces and editorial projects, they went, they were always done with a gaze. Or if they didn't have a gaze, they weren't always done in a rich, expensive, elegant way. So I wanted to create Riff from the Funk, a platform that gives underrepresented storytellers the power to tell their own stories the power to document their own stories, the power to archive their own stories. And um, it's almost like a digital coffee book where we have all these amazing stories that we make for now and for future generations to come and engage with. So for me, from the front, was like a, it was a reference point for culture, by culture makers that are telling their own stories. So that's where the inspiration came from, you know? I guess you guys are reforming, reforming the way in which people... Um, kind of portray and tell your stories but also reforming the the spaces where stories can be shared and um, what stories are now being shared and you've mentioned as well it's a digital platform so a lot of the work that you guys produce are all on the website you also mentioned about how you were sending out your work and um, 
photos to publications and not and it not really being um, depicted the right way, which is great, I feel like, because you guys saw a problem within the industry and you took it upon yourself to kind of solve it and really own that narrative and own that voice. And um, what is it that you guys then now look for from creative who, creatives who are wanting to submit work to you guys? I'm so happy you said that, actually, because that, that was a key thing in terms of representation. I used to submit bodies of work to magazines, and I still do. And sometimes the way, or even though bodies of work, sometimes I'll pitch stories, I would say. I, I went to shoot this up-and-coming independent artist slash rapper. And then people would say to me, okay, how do you want to shoot her? And I would say, okay, I'm going to get this stylist involved, I'm going to get this involved. I want to shoot like this, and I want to get, I want to have it elevated and have these fabrics, and I want it, I want it to feel rich. And I'll be like, oh, just do it in front of a council estate. And I'll be like, what? Why do you associate my stories with a council estate? Not that they're not part of the council estate, but there's so much more to my stories. There's so much more to how I want things to be archived. So I think the overall presentation of our artwork, I always felt like it wasn't curated in the most elevated way. And now to answer your question, which is, what do we look for? We bring from the fan, we look for stories, personal stories. We, we want people to tell their own stories, whether that's through a think piece, or whether that's through a collaboration with an artist. Every person we feature, every story we tell, we want to make it real and organic, and, and truthful to that person and to that project. But also, we want to present it in an elevated way, so that when you look at it, you know, when you, when you open, in fashion magazine, you know, and they've shot an actor or an actress. Everything is like, look how expensive it is. Look how rich they are. Or, no, look how expensive it is. Sometimes it's just like, they elevate the person. They make him, they celebrate them. And I feel like, for me, I want to do that for our people. I want our people to be celebrated and elevated. I want our stories to feel rich. I want them to be archived in a very powerful, rich way. We don't always see ourselves in the museums. We take the medium of writing, photography, filmmaking, styling, and we use all of those to elevate underrepresented stories. And you're looking for, you know, stories that have that richness, that have that oomph. And also, in what forms can that be? You've mentioned writing as well, but can it be video as well, or fashion and garments and things like that, sir? We're looking for young filmmakers, established filmmakers, up-and-coming filmmakers, young fashion designers, uh, writers, graphic designers, musicians. We tell stories for the culture. We tell stories for people that don't, that don't always have their voice heard. And if they do, it's not always heard in a specific way. So, we, so we're looking for people that want to tell their own stories and feel like they're always having had a voice or a platform to say it in the way that it like should be said. And I think it's just good to also um, highlight that it's underrepresented stories. It's not necessarily black <laughs> stories, but it's across um, races, genders, everything. Absolutely. And even when you, when you go on the site or when you come to our events, I think, yeah, read from, read from the front, it's about underrepresented stories. It's about narratives that, that are not always considered to be commercial but are influential within yeah. their own subcultures. And I think that was a big, big influence of mine, starting brief from the front, was I always felt like there were so many subcultures and stories that were, that were influential to us. But for some reason, the media 
the commercial media didn't consider them as impactful. Whereas we know they're impactful. So it's about yeah. telling those stories and owning them yeah. for us. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that, that, you know, a lot of the times um, things aren't deemed commercial or impactful, but actually they're very influential in the way culture is moving. And it's good that, that you guys are highlighting that. And it's um, it's really key to be aware of that, especially as a creative, because a lot of the times we think in order to have um, influence, you have to be commercial. But a lot of the, a lot of the um, things that we see with throughout history is that just they weren't commercial, but they were 100 percent like influential, um, which is very interesting. That's it. And we try to document, archive and present those narratives in an elevated way. Yeah. And how can people get in touch? On our website, so readfromthefront.com. Nice. And yeah, so we're kind of coming to the end of our conversation. And where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram and Twitter, um, at d underscore kakembo or kakembo.co.uk. Yeah, and I'll definitely like recommend that you guys check out his work. It's really good. But yeah, thank you for chatting with us. It's been great. Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been such a pleasure. This is the last episode of this podcast season. We would love to know what you thought about this episode. Send us an email with your feedback at admin at caramelrock.com. If you like the episode, please share it. Be sure to never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast on your favourite podcast listening app. Caramel Rock is a fashion and creative arts educational charity focusing on developing the next generation of designers and creatives by providing training and job opportunities to young people. To register onto one of our courses or find out more about us, visit caramelrock.com or DM us on Instagram at caramelrockofficial. I've been your host, Renata Hogarth.